Welcome to the Stateside Spurs podcast. Here we are at the special edition. Uh, you know, we feel like it has been a crazy, I don't even know, has it been with almost a month now since the end of season? Three weeks. Let's say three weeks till the end of se- since the e- end of season podcast uh, that we put out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Chris is unable to be with us today, but we could no longer wait to talk about all of the things Tottenham and what's currently going on with this club. Uh, also, the Euros have started uh, and we have some players participating in the Euros. Austin is joining me tonight. Austin, how you doing, man? Um, the less I think about Spurs, the better I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you think about it, you know, I I haven't been very active in in the uh, this our group chat because uh, you've been busy building a business. Not, from the not up, I don't think it's really busy. <laughs> More of it is just like. I don't want to think about it until um, until something happens. And so you and Chris have been going back and forth, back and forth, this manager carousel or manager search or whatever you want to call it. Um, some people may use a, a different choice, uh, different different phrases for the uh, the craziness that's happening currently. Um, but we have a lot to catch up on since our last podcast where me, you, and Chris both sat here and said we'd prefer uh, Pochettino to be the manager. Uh, I don't think that's that happening. Well. Uh, and so we're just going to jump straight into it. You know, let's talk about what is going on currently at our football club and how we're going to, uh, to, to find a manager or who is the correct manager. Austin, if you don't mind, since you've been spending so much time, uh, on the internet and, <laughs> and torturing yourself over the past three weeks, can you kind of walk me through where we were, uh, or where we have gone since we last recorded when we were in talks with Pochettino. Oh, you think I can go back that far? <laughs> Do your that's best. Like, that's like best. asking me, someone to like, hey, describe well, Game of Thrones to me, but go back to season one. So I'll kind of guide you through it then. Start, let's start with Pochettino. How did what happened with Pochettino? How did that? How did that deal fall through? How did that not work out? You know that one. That one wasn't as much. What's funny is that we have pretty good uh, sourcing on um, like, like journal, pretty good journalism on what has happened with various uh, breakdowns and negotiations with different candidates. But Pochettino was more of, I think PSG just set a high asking price, and basically the the line was unless Pochettino comes out publicly and says i want to leave he's not leaving it basically the ball was put into pochettino's court and said that you know psg isn't going to sell unless they're pressured into selling uh and th- i mean i shouldn't use it the term as if he's a player but that's kind of the situation it's a similar situation we kind of find ourselves in with kane a little bit where it's like PSG set the price really high, and the only way that price comes down is if the manager comes out and says, I don't want to be here anymore, and Pochettino didn't do that. So um, Levy was forced to look at other options because uh, 
What do you think just, it was about Pochettino not willing to come out? It's just the the risk of like coming out and, and turning a whole fan base against you and then the deal not working out? I think that's probably part of it. I think it's part of also that he's not been there very long and that he would like to have a full – he didn't even get a full season at PSG, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he would like to get a full season there and try to win the league there. I mean he was a player there. He has connections there for way further back than he does with Spurs. Um, so I'm sure he wants to get a full season in. And and I think deep down Levy knows that really it's a year or two away before he brings Poch back. And I think a lot of what we're seeing is Levy protecting against that future of wanting to bring Pochettino back either after next season or at least at the at the termination of his of his current contract. And that's why we keep offering two year contracts to, to different managers, uh, reportedly. Um and so I, I think I think Pochettino is a big is a big factor in all this, and I think Levy does know that he made a mistake, but he keeps getting his eyes keeps getting his head turned by different managers that pop up, and it keeps it, it's cost us multiple times now. Uh, first with Mourinho, but now in this search, at least twice more, right? And um, he brought in a director of football that. Sounds like doesn't really fit his vision. That's gonna be that's gonna be really difficult. Um, Hold on, let's not get into, we're, gonna, we're gonna get into that. So, uh, Pochettino falls through. He doesn't come out and say he wants to leave. I don't know if it was game. ever on the cards. To be honest with you, I don't. If we're talking about falling through, I think there's a couple others that we're gonna get to. I don't know if Pochettino was ever, if there were ever serious talks. I think it was always, Poch, if you really want to come, you got to come out publicly and say something. I don't think that's Pochettino's style. Yeah. So then we go on a, on a very quick. 180 to Antonio Conte, right? Uh, and you were excited about this hire. Uh, Chris and myself, Chris was more vocal about it, but you know, I wasn't too excited about this because I didn't, I didn't think that he would get the backing that he would need to be successful. Well, let's, let's put context on this. I was excited based on what I thought it meant. I thought it was a better version of what we assumed we would have with Mourinho. Uh, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we you would hope that if you bring a manager like that on, then you would um, give them the things that they need. And I think that's at the end of the day, that's why it fell through. Um, you know, <laughs> he realized that he wasn't going to get to bring in ten to twelve players. He was or get his to, own staff, which is or get his becoming own staff, a which bigger is, theme in this in these talks as well. Yeah, it looks like Levy is like dead set on making the manager that comes in keep Ledley uh, and, and keep Mason. Yep. On, on the squad, on the uh, coaching team, the coaching staff. So uh, I, I always thought that was a weird, you know, I think that a lot of people have listened to a lot of podcasts in the past couple of weeks, and they always refer back to that that that, that meme of uh, the guy walking with his girlfriend, right, and then turns a look. Because once Conte became, um, you know, available from Inter, I think Levy kind of was like, oh, well, it's, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. So, yeah, I mean the dude's track record. He's won leagues everywhere. I mean he's won leagues. He won leagues, leagues on leagues at Juventus. Won the league in his first season at Chelsea. Finished second and then first in his two seasons at Inter. I mean track yeah, record speaks so, for himself. So, so talk to me about what do you think the reasoning behind Conte was for going after him, other than his success, which is great. You know he was in the Europa League final two years ago. He won the Serie A this year. Um, He's won at Chelsea. He he's a ser- he is a serial winner. Um, more recently than Mourinho too. More recently than Mourinho. Um, but what do you think happened? What were you excited about, and why do you think this 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 manager fell through? 
Um, so Levy going after him is the classic best on board strategy, right? So for the American listeners here, you know, the NFL draft is a huge event every year and it's constantly a discussion for football fans. When you're, when you have a, your team's coming up to pick, do you stick to your need to what you, your plan of who you wanted to pick, what type of player you wanted to pick, even if a really good player has dropped in the draft to you at an unexpected position, right? Do you take best on board? Do you, how good does a player have to be to make you throw the plan out the window and say you have to take them if they're available? Or do you stick to the plan no matter what? Levy came out with a fucking statement to the fans saying we are going to go with the manager that does a few things. A, plays attacking football. B, prioritizes youth. And C, understands the culture of the club. Conte doesn't give a fuck about any of those three things, right? He'll play attacking football sometimes, but he's still an Italian manager that likes to defend and be tactical. Doesn't give a shit about youth. We look, I mean, look at what he did at, at both um, Chelsea and Inter, right? Brought in like Ashley Young to Inter, right? And played all the old guard at Chelsea. Um, only uses youth when it's absolutely necessary. And he doesn't care about culture. He comes in, he's like, I'm Antonio Conte. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. I'm going to tell you who you're going to need. If you give it to me, we're going to win. If you don't, I'm going to leave. So, so he, he, so Conte violates all the major aspects of what Levy said he was looking for in a manager, but he's arguably one of the best managers in the world and inarguably the best available manager in the world, unless you count Zidane now. So Levy got his head turned. He's like, well, he's available. I've got to try. It worked with Bale. We brought Bale in last season. We got Mourinho the season before. Like, let me try. Um, and it, it burned us and made us a laughing stock. Yeah, I mean, spot on because we 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 went into it and it, it looked like the talks were getting very, very serious, um, mm-hmm. almost to the point of like uh, Fabrizio was saying, like, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then all of a sudden just it was a, it was a Friday, right? Right before a weekend. It was like, nope, not happening. Uh, so familiar? It, it's, yeah, and it, I don't it just seems so crazy to think that. You, you get to the point, like, they don't discuss that whenever they come after him in the first place. Like, these are the things that we, this is what I need, or this is what we'll give you before you get into that, those, like, deep conversations of, like, all right, pen on paper, here it is to sign a contract. You uh, would think that the first thing would be that, right? It sounds like the first it said, hey, we have enough money to pay you. Would you want to come here? He's like, well, maybe. I like, I like London. London's fun. Okay. You guys have a big stadium. Okay. Um, all right, well, how much money would you want? And it's like they started at the wrong end of the negotiations, and then they yeah. saved the last bullet for, point for. So we're only going to spend like $30 million net, possibly. Um, if we sell Kane, we're probably not reinvesting that money. That's cool, right? And Conte's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, first of all, you're not selling Kane. I'm only coming here if, we ha- if I have the best striker in the league, A. B. Uh, you guys need to spend a lot more money than $30 million. If it, You barely finished seventh last season. Like, do we not see the same thing here? Like, what am I looking at? Yeah, yeah, Well, that fell through, right? And when you lose Pochettino and you lose Conte, it doesn't matter who the next man up is. No one's really excited about that. And and then here comes uh, – this, this is the point where um, – uh, I'm going to try to say his last name. It's Fonseca. 
No, the director of football, Patrici. Oh, oh Paratici. Paratici. I knew it. Uh, Fabio Paratici comes in. It gets announced here, uh, which is great news. We've all talked about how we desperately needed a, a real director of football, um, not Hitchens. And so we get Paratici. And but that, like I said, it doesn't matter because the next name after Conte, the next name after Conte and Pochettino, no one's excited about. And that name is Paulo Fonseca, right? And so. Talk to me about Fonseca. Is this someone you were excited about uh, the possibility of having as the manager of, of Tottenham? Clearly, you know, he comes from Roma. Um, we're basically just swapping managers with Roma. They get to take Mourinho. We would have we taken Fonseca, uh, Fonseca. They finished seventh in the, the table. Um, we finished seventh in the table. Um, so what, what was the draw here when it comes to uh, Fonseca being the, the, the number one candidate for, whatever what was it, a week, I think? Why was that the um, why was that the candidate that we were then going after um, after Conte fell through? I mean, a lot of it to me is um, Paratici knows Italian Serie A managers. I mean, and that's that's what he knows. Um, Fonseca has a track record, but in Portugal, Turkey, and uh, sorry, Portugal, Ukraine, and Italy. Of working on a budget, having a negative net spend, but making the team better. Um, he's won tournaments, um, won leagues, uh, performed well in Europe. So he takes all of Levy's boxes, but he's someone that Paratici's familiar with and understands and is comfortable with. And I think that's why he was the obvious. I don't think they cared that he came from Roma. I don't think they cared that, yeah, okay, it's a PR little snafu that it looks like we're switching managers with, with Roma. But I think it's just the out of the Serie A managers that Paratici is comfortable with that were available at the time. We'll get to that in a second. Fonseca ticked all the Levy boxes. And I think to me, it sounds like Paratici has kind of re- until until maybe now was restricting his view with I'm going to pick from managers that I'm familiar with because I don't want to get this first one wrong. Yeah. Well, here's what happens. Fonseca doesn't get the job. Talks fall through. Uh, Austin, talk me through this because once again, I have paid little to no attention to this manager search. I told you guys both a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'll 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 start a conversation when when a, a shirt is being held, right, or a handshake with uh, Daniel Levy is happening. Or I need Potch's arm around him. Yeah. So talk to me <laughs> through that. Talk to me what happened with Fonseca here. Why did that fall through? Um, well, this is this is. A little this might, be, up. this might be the worst, right? This might be well the worst because the first, the first things that started trickling out were talks are breaking down because of tax issues. That Fonseca, who's a who's a Portugal national but has been living in Italy, has tax breaks in Italy, presumably some EU thing that if he moved to England because of Brexit would not have anymore. And and when they were crossing the T's and dotting the I's, his accountants figured that out, and they're like, well, crap, I'm not going to be making nearly as much money as I thought I was going to, mm-hmm. and so this is going to fall through. Apparently, that was all smokescreen because what the more reliable reports showed is that Gattuso stepped down from Fiorentina in the middle of the week um, uh, while we were going through that Fonseca week. Like Fonseca first started getting traction over the weekend. Then throughout the week, it was like, oh, it's going to be here. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then somewhere around the mid to late week, 
Gattuso, who had been signed 20 days earlier by Fiorentina, this is a great sign, what you want in a manager, basically resigns and says, screw you guys, you're not going to sign any any players I want, so I'm going to leave. And it sounds like Paratici wanted Gattuso, Gattuso was Paratici's first choice, but he was off the table at the time. So as soon as Gattuso becomes available, it's the same damn thing that happened with Levy and Conte. But this time it's Paratici, our new director of football, and a new manager where he's like, oh, my first choice is available. we got to go all in for him. Sorry, Fonseca. You're done. Everything I've read is that Fonseca was completely blindsided by this. He had a visa getting drawn up. He was starting to look for places, like was going through the motions of everything you needed to move, especially in a still coronavirus environment where moving across countries requires – um, some sort of uh, period, I think, where you're, where you're um, quarantining, it sounds like, from Italy. And then all of a sudden, Spurs are like, yeah, we're pulling the offer. Sorry. Yeah, for Gattuso. Probably the apps. I would, I would prefer so what Tim happened? Sherwood to who Gattuso. Made, who, so we're going to get back to Fonseca and how messed up this was. Who do you think led this, this Gattuso? Oh, it was Paratici. Search? It was Paratici, 100%. Gattuso was never on the cards or on our radar until Paratici was was announced. And it's because Gattuso uh, did a decent job with Napoli, won a cup, a botched top four, but that's, that's Spursy in itself. Um, and then had time at AC Milan. Was a, he's a personality, and he's an Italian, big Italian name, right? Like a big Italian yeah. um, personality that, that Italian fans love. He has a history with Spurs where he choked and headbutted one of our assistant coaches in a Champions League game. Like Spurs fans have hated this man for 12 years. Yeah, and on top of that, he's a homophobe. And a and he's maybe if not a racist, he is he is um, someone who um, enables racist behavior in the past. Um, also is a sexist because says that women have no place in, in football and has never walked back those statements. Yeah. So how in the world did, did they think that this was going to pass from – like how is Levy thinking, here's how I'll win the fans back. I'll go after Gattuso. I wonder if they just didn't expect this to lead to the media because it all happened so fast, right? And then the no, and the no to Gattuso happened even faster. So I just wonder if maybe things got out of control. He's a Mendes client, right? So yeah, Jorge so, so 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 Jorge Mendes may have leaked this the second that they started getting word. May have said, "Oh, Spurs have pulled out. Um, they're going for Gattuso," and leaked this to the media, and it just spiraled out of control. This to me smells of a PR fire. Right, something that just got that story that just got that just burned out of control very quickly. The fan backlash was so immediate and so strong. Levy had to look at his director of football and be like, "Dude, I can't fucking hire this guy. Yeah. Like, like there's just no way we're all gonna get fired if we hire this guy. It may not be tomorrow, but it will probably be like in the beginning of the season. Like, we're all getting fired. We're all losing our job. Like, this is a dumpster." Fire like you're you're setting a bomb off if if this happens, and they had to pull out within a day, within a fucking day. Yeah, I mean that was quick. It was quick, and that and props to this. And this is what I love. I love about the sport is that the fans have an enormous amount of pull if they can if they can come together because I I do believe it was the amount of of 
backlash from the fan base with Gattuso. But if this happened 15 years ago before Twitter, does Gattuso get hired? Probably. Before it's crazy, Twitter, right? Before Twitter and Reddit, probably. Yeah. Twitter gave us Trump, but it also made it to where we didn't hire Gattuso for Tottenham. So I'm not going to equivocate, equivocate those things, but I'm going to say Twitter giveth and Twitter taketh away, right? That's true. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And so Gattuso is now uh, no longer being considered. Um, he shouldn't be considered by any non-Italian club ever. Yeah. And so here we are. What's now? What's next? I mean, Fonseca's done, right? That's not happening. Oh, if you were Fonseca, would you want to be hired by a club that fucking pulled out at the last minute to go talk to a to a real life Wario? No. I mean, no. Like, no. <laughs> real life Wario. That's Gattuso, dude. <laughs> like, good. I will say he gave one of the best football press conference. He gave the equivalent to Allen Iverson's practice. And the other coach, I can never remember his name. He was coaching the Colts at the time when he said playoffs, when he said sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. That is a phenomenal press conference meme. I love it to the T, and I got a ton of karma on Reddit by saying that he understands our club culture, obviously. Um, but um, no, yeah, Fonseca's done. There's no way he comes here now. I mean, there there are plenty of clubs that will still come in for him at a you know mid-table level. Um, yeah, there's no way he comes here now. Like that, that bridge is burned. They br- they burned that bridge for a day of of possibly hiring a Tuso, which is out of this whole scenario probably the biggest sign that Levy has no fucking clue what he's doing. But Levy's like, not doing it, right? It's now but that's my point. Is he hired a guy? He hired a guy. Paratici has come out and said, "I want a manager that, that coaches defense first. Levy told the fan base that he wants to hire a manager that teaches that, that coaches offense first. Well, One I mean, thing he brought in a director of football that comes from. Serie A, which is a defensive league. Well, yeah, unless we've read. Atal- unless you're Atalanta, which is the only attack, like that pure attacking team in that league. Yeah, and, and we've read that Fonseca, the the that he was gonna come on board, but there was already a boiling point where he's like, I want our first three uh, signings to be attackers. And Paratici's like, no, 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 no. We're hiring. We're we're gonna sign some defenders, and you're gonna have to make do with what you have at attacking. So he already, like Fonseca, was one of the few attack-minded coaches, midfield and forward attack-minded coaches in in Syria, and he ticked all the Levy boxes. And Levy, and Levy allowed his director of football to burn that bridge. Either the director of football did it without his knowledge. When he hasn't started yet, his his start date, his employment start date is technically July first. Now, we all know that he's already doing things, but Levy either let this guy, before he's technically started, go like burn a bridge of a quality candidate for one of the worst possible management, managerial hires you can make, or he didn't know about it. Either way, the buck stops with Levy. Um, so, and now, and now we, you know, we, we have our old are the people that we've been been linked with two months ago, Eric Ten Hag, but Ten Hag's got to be looking at this shit and be like, eh, I might stay at Ajax another year. Um, the, 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 the Euro, the Euro coaches in Martinez and Southgate, which no fan wants. I mean, hold on. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Euros. <laughs> Southgate is, is England is exactly like what, Tottenham are. I mean, what a letdown against Scotland. But anyways, we'll, well get into that Well, performance-wise, yes. But tactics-wise, they don't use Kane nearly as well as we do. No, for sure. Uh, uh, but, but, but now we're back to a lot of our old 
candidates that we had two months ago, plus possibly this idea of hiring uh, Valverde, who who uh, had success at Barcelona, which he doesn't, I don't know why he, that guy was going to come he here. He speak English, right? No, he does. He coached in English in Greece. I, I read a report that when he coached in Greece, he he coached in English. Um, he he played a four four two at Barcelona with Messi and Suarez up front. Uh, that sounds promising on its face, right? Um, so I mean, Valverde. If we if we fall ass backwards into a into a candidate like Valverde, who who won shit at Barcelona and has coached some of the best players in the world and and plays a four four two. When was our best? When was our best most swashbuckling attacking football, Colin? Pre-Poch. Oh, okay. we, I was like, didn't play a four-four-two. Um, no, I would argue that Harry Redknapp's four-four-two yeah, was more attack-minded than, than Pochettino's possession-based. Right? Yeah. I mean, Redknapp was full metal. Where it was like what Leeds were last season. We yeah. basically were Leeds in two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, With Torluca. I, I would take Bielsa. Bielsa would, Bielsa would like, he would, you know what Bielsa would be? He'd be like Robert California in the office. He he would get hired, walk into the to the club, and be like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> that's, good. that's a really good analogy. I love the office. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so yeah, I don't know where yeah. we are now. I mean, oh, you haven't been following it, Colin, but what do you want in a manager? Like at this point. It's not happening for another couple of years, Colin. He's coming want, back at some point, but it's I not happening. I want Zidane to go to PSG, and I want Pochettino to, to come back. But well, you know, I, you know what our negotiation, what all of this clusterfuck has done? It's made PSG dig their heels in on Pochettino and hold on to them tighter than they otherwise would have. We came after a guy under contract, which made the team dig their heels in, and now they're going to hold on to Pochettino for another season. When before they may have thought about letting him go if he wouldn't have been so brash about it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, man. He's the, he, going to be at PSG next oh, season. Oh, I because, agree. Yeah. He's, not, he's not coming to us. But I, I, I'm really just trying to think, like, I don't know if it's – if it's a Graham Potter I want or a Nuno Espirito Santos I want or if I want someone coming from a different league. Like, I, I think deep down I really want someone that has Premier League experience because uh, we already have a director of football that's not from the Premier League. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I I don't care. I just want somebody because we're getting very close. I mean, we've, we've already... We're, we're losing out on players already. You we're know losing I mean? out on players, but... On top of that, we are uh, we're losing out on, um, on we are closer now to the start of the new season than we were than we, we are we had a manager. Than, than we've had yeah we fired Mourinho further yeah. away. August fourteenth against City is coming very quickly. The schedule is already out. And we don't have a manager. Right, so that's that's a big concern. We won't be um, talking about the schedule in this podcast, but um yeah Jesus Christ we get to start the fucking season at home against City. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't care. I don't. I honestly don't care. Well. I so. A Graham Potter or whatever. I mean, I don't. I don't care. I just want something to get done within the next. Um. You know. By this time next week on the 26th, there has to be a manager in place. There has to be. Tinfoil yeah. hat time. I think Levy wanted someone like Graham Potter all all along. But. Yeah. Now we're in a position where the fan base there, – there was already a small cult of Potterheads out there that thought he was the perfect answer. And I don't think Graham Potter is the perfect answer. I think he is a, a Pacha Martinez. 
he is someone that's either going to be that is unproven at the top level and could end up being like Pochettino and get us to the precipice, or he'll be like Martinez, who is unproven at the top level and have a year like Mar- like Roberto Martinez had at uh, at Everton. And I don't want that. I want someone that I have more faith in, right? Ericton Hogg, to me, has been the best candidate all along for, for a few reasons. One, he took over an Ajax side who had not won the league in four years. That's a big deal at Ajax. They usually dominate that league. They hadn't they hadn't been playing their, their brand of football, and they hadn't gotten far in Europe. He reinstituted a style of football Ajax was used to. He won the league immediately in cup there so he got winning back to winning ways and was like literally three seconds away from taking Ajax to a Champions League final like he ticked all the boxes of exactly what we need we need a manager that's going to come in reinstitute our style of play understand our culture and get our and get our get our fans back in line and bring us back to where we were before we hired Mourinho like before the Pochettino collapse like back to where we were in like 2016 I'm not saying a new manager has to come in and win right away. They, we just need to get back to where we're in like 2015, 2016, 2017. We need to get back to that style, that level of play. And Ayrton Hogg has that ability. And he doesn't play full out all attacking football, but he doesn't play defensive football. He has a very balanced, pragmatic style that puts his attackers in, a, in positions to express themselves, but has a structure in place with the midfield that doesn't leave his defense exposed. To me... He's been the obvious choice all along. Ajax gave him a year extension, made him more more expensive to get, and Levy got cold feet and started looking elsewhere. And look where that's got us. Like, Levy's just going to have to pay the fucking money because there are no good options that are available in the market. You think Zinedine Zidane's going to come to us? I don't like, know. No, and I, I wouldn't want him anyways. If want, especially if we want Bell bag. I mean, we'll win, we'll, we'll <laughs> win the conference league with Zidane, 100%. He's yeah. a, he's a Euro, he's a European merchant, right? Like he'll win the Euro, he'll win European competitions. We also but, won't get we also won't get Bill back. No, no, no. But I don't know. But like, but 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 my point is, these candidates at the beginning of this search were good candidates for a reason, and Hitchin was the one who identified them. Levy got cold feet on them, then hired a, a director of football that is an, antithetical to what he said he, we need, and now we're in a position where we've probably burnt a lot of those bridges. So yeah. I, I'm like you. I just want a manager that is halfway decent, and I just want to know what direction we're going in. Just pick a fucking direction and let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been exhausting, especially if you know people like you and Chris who keep up with it every day. I actually turn my notifications off in the group chat because <laughs> <laughs> because you guys are blowing up my phone a little bit too much. And At I least like, it's not with two I, minute long uh, voice memos. I mean, during the season or like if it's something, but like there's nothing happening. It's just a bunch of hearsay, and so it's like. It's it's like the hope that kills you, and I, I prefer not to let it even take 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 uh, control. But, we, of my but the bigger thing is, we can sell players without a manager. That 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 can happen. We are not going to bring any players in without a manager in place. Yeah. Any any players that make a difference aren't going to want to come and sign for a club where they don't know what direction we're going in. Like. Yeah, I agree. So uh, we, we've done enough talk about managers. We have about 10 minutes left before I'm going to cut us off tonight. It doesn't need to be a long podcast. I just want to touch on where we are as a club at the moment. But we have a few different directions we can go here. We can go uh, 
Uh, we can discuss the Euros. Uh, eh, we need to give a Euros fun. update. We need to give or, a Euros or update. we can go to uh, ideal transfer uh, outs that we have on our club. And uh, I don't want to be. Uh, let's not do transfer outs because that 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 that's been beached death. And well, let's do Euros. Yeah, okay. Euros are going on. Yeah. So Euros uh, 2020 and 2021 are happening. Um, that is uh, funny because I was at a I was working the other night and there's this, this older gentleman that's a regular that comes into the bar and was watching uh, I was watching the England Scotland game so I guess it was yesterday and he looks at the TV and it says Euro 2020 above <laughs> and he's like you know he uses some explicit language and and says uh, what's go- what is this a replay <laughs> and I was like no no they had to postpone it because of COVID um, so yeah Euros are going on and man I love I love summers uh, with European competition with any Copa Copa is going on at the same Copa's going time on. Uh, I believe the Gold Cup is going on at some point in the next couple of weeks it starts up as well um, I'm not sure about that but yeah lots of soccer and then the olympics start in a month i believe um so a summer full of, of sports but let's talk about euros uh some really good groups and so there's been some good games uh first i think it's really important um to talk about christian erickson um that was a very tough uh it was a, it was a very tough i would say hour because there was there's a there's a point while i was watching that game where i didn't know if if he, they were able to bring him back to life. Um, you know, it, it was very, I was watching the game and you could see that like he just collapsed and you can kind of see it. You, I, I could see it in his eyes that, um, you know, he was gone for a little bit, uh, huge props and huge thanks to the medical team and, and the Denmark and the, you know, the Danish football players. Uh, I think it was uh, one player well, particularly. Captain that, Simon Kjarf. Yeah. That, that, that saved Erickson's life. And so, um, not only no. saved his life, not only saved his life, gave him first aid immediately, but then he's the one who organized the shield of players, and then he's the one that went and found Erickson's wife and consoled her. Yeah, all I mean, in like a twenty-minute span. That is, um, you know, what a what a amazing. Uh, so thankful that. Um, That's a captain right there. So thankful that Erickson is still with us today. Uh, he's been oh, discharged from the hospital, I believe, yesterday. Um, and he, there's even he talks an, about he has an ICD in his in his heart now. He does, and there's even talks about him returning to play professional football again, which is was as amazing after um, the week that he's had. So once again, the most important thing is that he is uh, alive, back with his family, and uh, as a Tottenham player for seven years, one of your favorite Tottenham players of all time. Uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite. He's he holds I hold him higher in my personal. He everyone will have their but to me he is higher in my book than Bale because of how long he was here the type of player he was he I never got to play soccer competitively but if I had played soccer that's the position and type of player I would have wanted to be um because it wasn't about physicality it was about intelligence and technique on the ball right um he was a quarterback out there um Daily Blind does play for Ajax with the same device in his heart um, it's a personal decision. Not all leagues will let you play with that device, though. Um, I think Inter, I didn't read the statement, but Inter um, is one of those clubs that I believe, if he's going to continue his career, probably be away from Inter Milan, which is, you know, it's 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 bittersweet because he finally won a league um, for the first time in years after leaving Ajax, winning the Scudetto at, at Inter, and working his ass off to get to be a main part of that team. Yeah. Conte didn't use him for a while, 
And then the last half of that season, he was a mainstay in that team and an integral part of that team. Um, the craziest thing to me, Colin, is they haven't figured out, to my knowledge, what caused his heart to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's freaky. And uh, it's it's amazing that he's alive. It's amazing that the um, that the uh, paramedics on the field uh, saved his life. It's amazing that he woke up in the hospital and asked immediately how the boys were doing and not about where he was or what happened. Um, and he's the one who told the players that go ahead and just finish the game like that night. The players had to finish the game that night. That's fucking insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a weird, tragic, fluky thing to happen out of nowhere. Yeah. And I, you know, I found myself getting pretty emotional. Um, and I think, you know, I had a phone call from a friend who was emotional and I just think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, while this is just, this is just a game, this is a sport, there's, there is so much more than that. And, I'm just really thankful that uh and 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 so happy that for Eric's and his family that that he is able to uh to, con- to continue on this journey that we call life and so um you know that's the I think that's the the one thing I really wanted to touch on when it comes to the Euros um that that was a, a great display of of just of how to 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 make sure that it's bigger than a game you would see you know teammates uh old teammates new teammates across the world that would be celeb- that would be celebrating goals and, and sending love to Erickson and his family and so um let, let's touch i know that's kind of a somber moment but let's move on to actual talking about the euros uh i'm going to ask you a few questions here and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this podcast up for the night what's your biggest surprise team of the euros so far austin uh italy yeah. Italy, man, six points. Um, they've never scored three goals in a major competition, and they scored three in their first match. Uh, they are playing defensively sound as we would expect an Italian team to play, but they're creating a lot of chances. Um, they've combined the styles of Atalanta and Inter Milan and those those teams well. It doesn't seem like it's Juventus plus a couple players out there, um, which is a lot of times what Italy feels like. Which is why they're so boring um, to watch usually. Uh, well, just, just so technically sound and sturdy. It, I, some people call it boring. It's like, you know, having a baseball team that's built around really good pitching and not a lot yeah. of strikeouts. So, I mean, it's, it's technically it's ta- sound. It's talent. Yeah, it's, it's talent. talent, but yeah, it's not, it's not dynamic, but this, this Italy team looks dynamic. I mean, Spinazzola out there on the wide left. There, it looks more like Atalanta and Inter Milan than it does Juventus, and that's that's pretty exciting. I would say Italy's got to be the biggest surprise so far. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to answer the same that you did because that wouldn't be fair. But I, I agree, Italy is a huge surprise. Uh, next, I think I would go with um, I would I'm going to go with how how poor Spain has been. Oh yeah. Does so it, wait, did a, they play again today? Or they did. They drew against Poland today, one-one. Wow. So I missed that result. Yeah. Now Spain has to go against Slovakia and uh, need a result from that game to. I need to, a win, basically. Win, win or a draw. I mean, Poland's got a point. Slovakia's got three. Yeah, you're right. They do need a win. Um, Third place they, can't get you through. Draw. They could draw and still win, get out of that group, I guess. But they, they're going to need a win against Slovakia. So I think just seeing Spain as a powerhouse, you know, my entire adult 
uh, life and maybe even teenage years as watching uh, European soccer and seeing them struggle with uh, Poland and Sweden in two back-to-back draws. Um, they missed a PK as well today. It's also been pretty crazy how many PKs have been missed in this tournament. Been a lot of penalties missed. Um, the other big surprise for me before we get out of here, because I want to put this bug in the listener's ear. Notice how there are no horrible offside calls with VAR in the Euros. You, I'm just, I'm just wondering if anybody who's been listening to this enough, if we even have listeners that have been steady enough, they use thicker lines. Who's the one over here that said use an error band on the line, make the lines thicker if they overlap. Just leave the call in the field because it's too close to call. None of this – is there an armpit hair offside BS? Like there was a call today in the Germany-Portugal uh, match, which was a crazy match, um, where it looked like – I think if that was not permanently, gets called offsides because his armpit is offside. Who cares if your armpit's offside? You're not getting an advantage from that, and rightly they left the goal standing. Why can't the Premier League – like we saw a World Cup and now a Euro where they use VAR to perfection. Like Rudiger, it looked like it was it Rudiger that looked like he had possibly bit somebody, but you couldn't really tell. In the Premier League, he would have been sent off. Yeah. Like, why can the Premier League not institute VAR the way UEFA and FIFA does? And I well, hate everything else UEFA and FIFA does because they're corrupt organizations, but they get VAR right. There have been some. There have some been. There have been some bad VAR calls, but not offsides. This tournament has had the the Austria, uh, no, the Croatia Czech Republic, the penalty against Croatia. I thought that was a bad call. Um, the it was like an elbow to Schick's face, but it was like you you don't jump with your arms by your side, right? So it was uh, Lovren, the Dejan Lovren uh, had to jump, and anyways. Long story short, I agree with you. It's great to see that there's no none of these BS offside calls. It's oh been yeah, a great, the it's been a great tournament to watch. It's been a good tournament, yeah. I think the most important, like for me, like I I want to get to the round of 16. There's a lot of kind of meh matchups. Uh, I Except do for the group of death, goodness is that a group of death, and Hungary is holding their own in it. They are, yeah. They they really upset uh, France today. I think there are going to be some good matchups coming in starting to, like, tomorrow. Italy and Wales play. That's going to be good. Um, Ooh. We get to see what happens there. Uh, and Ale's then, been on form. Yeah, and so there's a few good groups, I think. But for the most part, I'm I'm looking forward to those knockouts that start on on this this coming weekend on Saturday. Don't look for Italy and Wales to be too exciting because a draw gets them both at the top of the group, and so um, I would not well, expect a, that. And they go a draw all gets out. Italy at the top of the group. Wales would need to win, but Wales already has four points, so they're already pretty much through. So yeah, I, I think it might not be exciting, but. There's not a lot of games I'm excited for. I do think that that England group is is going to be exciting. Oh yeah. Tuesday they, because, well, they play Czechoslovakia for the winner to win the group, right? Yeah, and then but Croatia and Scotland both can get Czech a win. Czech Republic, I should say. Sorry to all of our Czech fans. Yeah, so there's Slovakia. There's Slovakia in this tournament as well. Croatia and Scotland also have to play to have a chance to get out, and they need there needs to be a winner in that game though. So, a lot of cool things happening. Uh, my, have you seen a player that you want Tottenham to go after? Uh, Spinozola, dude. Um, and Gosens had a match today for Germany. Um, that their left, their left wing back, Germany switched into that back three kind of controversially. Um, but it worked out for him today. Um, anybody on the France team? Just anybody generally (laughs) on France? I know they drew hungry, but... 
I have a I have two shouts here. I yeah, go probably, for it. They're probably top of the top of the charts for most people that are watching this. Alexander Isak from Sweden. I'm not sure ah. if you watched the Sweden yeah, game uh-huh, against uh-huh. Um, who they just play Slovakia. Did they just play Slovakia? I believe so. Yep. Yeah, and they but he looks the real deal. Young player, quick on the ball, has a shot on him. He has a quick release like Kane has. If we're going to get rid of Kane, he's now playing for Real Sociedad, but there's there's talks with Dortmund trying to uh, to get that buyout clause that they have so they don't have to give him to Real Sociedad because obviously Holland's going to be going somewhere. So that might be tougher to get. The other one's going to be really tough as well. It's Dumfries from the Netherlands. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, been a, that's been a good shout too. Denzel. Denzel yeah, Dumfries. He is a 25-year-old uh, wingback, essentially, because they, they play him as a wingback, and he's getting up the pitch a lot. But I will say that Marcel Sabitzer, Marcel Sabitzer, who's been on Tottenham's radar for a long time, had a phenomenal assist in this uh, tournament already, and he definitely looks the part um, in this tournament, too. But that's not a new name. Most, yeah, yeah. most Tottenham fans will I'm know talking about name. Some, some, some names that we don't know. Like surprise names, so, right, yeah. right. So those are the There's two a guy that plays for Portugal that scored a goal today. I think his name's Ronaldo. He looks pretty good. And he's a little old, but... Um, no, not interested in him. I didn't realize how <laughs> stacked Portugal were, though. Bernardo Silva, Andre Silva, Jota. Yeah, Bruno, dude. Pepe. Bruno, Bruno, Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Ruben Fernandes, Diaz. Ruben Diaz. Diaz had an own goal today. No, yeah. Portugal... Is, what's ironic is... Twelman said this, and it's weird that an American actually made this good point. This is the most support Cristiano Ronaldo has ever had at the international level, yeah, and Jao, he's like 36. Jao, Jao Felix. I mean, yeah, Felix didn't even play today because of a muscular injury. Like yeah. they're stacked. Ronaldo doesn't have to do it all. He can just sit up front and Jao, score goals. Jao Cancelo. I mean, and they, they got and they got four dumped on him today by, yeah. by Germany. So yeah, I think that, <laughs> so they did. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's a great tournament. I'm looking forward to the knockout stages. A lot of a lot of big names. I think it's going to be a very interesting tournament. Who's your well, dark horse to win it? Real quick, just give a name. Who's who's who out of the so so sorry? I should I should re-say this. Who out of the favorites would you would you expect to win? And who's your dark horse to make it to like the last four? Uh, I think favorites to win it. I think Italy. See, to uh, me, France is still the favorite to win it. They I are think, just stat top Italy because I think Italy, Italy hasn't lost a, a competitive match in like 29 games, which is crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. I don't think uh, many people were talking about Italy coming into this tournament, though, were they? They weren't. They yeah. Weren't. Um, but I, I think France has some glaring issues. Yeah, uh, you know, that's it's, fair. It's Mbappe or, or Bust for their attack. I mean, uh, maybe is good. Giroud can come on, but... The rest of the, I don't know. I mean, France is great. I mean, there's a lot. Griez- of Griezmann's, Griezmann scored. Uh, and then today, the underdog team I have would be. Like the Croatia of the World Cup. Like Croatia in the World Cup, you know, a couple of years ago, they got to the semifinals. Who is, who's that team for you this this tournament? I guess I'll go Wales. Yeah, it's got to be Wales, right? Like yeah, Wales, uh, or, it, Wales or Netherlands. Well, when Bale is on this type of form, did you see their 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 last goal they scored in that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Bale two corners in a row just dribbled through everybody and was like, "I'm going to go score a goal." Well, they gave him the line because I don't think they, I thought they thought they thought he would just sit and try to hold the ball. And up. after the and after the first time, he did it the first time. They get another corner. Like he won't do that again. Yeah, he did it again. Yeah. <laughs> 
but he's in the type of form. He's the best player on the pitch, so I'll it's go, always nice to have I'll the best I'll go Wales and Netherlands for underdogs. I don't think anyone actually expects them to win it, even though the Netherlands will probably win their group. They have the, one of the weakest groups. So, yeah, Netherlands have a very um, weak group. And then I would say I think Italy is going to be who I think could actually win this. With and They could be an underdog, too. I mean, now they're not because they're they're kind of – they haven't – conceded a goal yet but what don't, don't take Maybe. don't take your eyes off belgium but yeah wales i think wales could possibly go make a pretty pretty far run what do you what is that what are you gonna pick winner and underdog I, I would say i would say out of the out of the front runners um it's between france and belgium but i, I honestly think belgium are playing better um and, th- and have a real i mean it, it, it this is their last chance with this group of players so I would say Belgium out of the front runners would be my pick, and then the underdog I, I, I'm going to go with Wales as well. I mean Wales yeah. is they they already have four points. They're going to get through to the round of 16. No one wants to go up against Bale, and they've got a handful of attacking players: Harry Wilson, uh, who, who's the kid from uh from Manchester United? Uh, Daniel um, James. Daniel James. They got they got Ramsey. that 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 Kiefer dude up front who's just like a brick shit house. Um, he's not a kid. He's like 28, actually. <laughs> he's just played most of his career in the championship, I think. But they've they they've got some players, man. And if Bale stays on form, you know, this is his last. This and next year, his last two big tournaments for Wales, yeah. right? Like this, this is his swan song. So he's gonna put it all on the line. So that's fun to watch. Yeah, good shots. Uh, we will once we once we do actually get a manager, we will be returning uh, with Chris hopefully to kind of discuss what our plan is this off season as a football club, lots of ins and outs. We didn't discuss the, uh, the transfer window at all. Lots of things to talk about. We want to, we want to get a, a, a brief uh, conversation about what's currently going on. And uh, it's been a few weeks. So we felt like it was just important to, to get back on here. Um, and then hopefully we do get a manager this week and we can record sometime the following week. Um, with some some targets, some ins and outs that we can uh, hope to see in this football club, and you know talk about the schedule as well. The schedule was released. We didn't dive, we didn't dive into that today, but we will dive into the first uh, couple of weeks of the schedule as well. And until we record, keep up on our socials uh, at Stateside Spurs, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We will be posting memes. Uh, rumor transfer rumors, manager rumors. Yeah, you guys are good. At, you guys are good at the memes, that's for sure. Uh, men- mental health checks, uh, things like that. Keep up on our socials if you're hearing this. Uh, yeah. and hopefully, like Colin said, we can record again. I do not want to record until I'm, I am. I am protesting. Record. That's not the word. Uh, I am um striking. That's not the word either. We're not going to record until I'm holding out until a manager is announced. Damn it! So hopefully that happens soon. There's there's no way that it lasts longer than you know two or three more weeks. Colin, it's been two months, so don't say that. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a new season that's coming. So, <laughs> but as always, uh, you Ryan know, Mason, interim manager for entire season. I'll take I'll take Ryan Mason. It's okay. As always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs> That's Austin saying no. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks with Chris. And like Austin said, as always, come on, you Spurs.